is to serve her. You know, to be a servant to everybody. Philippians 2, right? And the greatest example of all is Christ. If we are Christians and Christians are followers of Jesus Christ, Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself, become man. Then he also obeyed the Father to die for sinful man. So if we're to be followers of Jesus, or in other words, if Jesus is the pattern, then we are to be like him and walk in humility and obey God the Father. This is Ordinary People with Extraordinary Lives, a series dedicated to the testimonies of believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Arlenis Buckaloo. I'm here with a very special guest, Caleb. Thank you, Caleb, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I've been enjoying your podcast, and I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Today, I've asked uh, Caleb to read a Bible verse for us, and I know that this Bible verse had an impact in your life yeah. when you first became a believer. Yeah, so if you could yeah. Please this read this is the passage the Lord used to save me. It comes out of Luke 15, verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Will you mind just uh, sharing a little bit about your background growing yeah. up? Uh, was it a believing home? Just to give us an insight of what your life was like before coming to Christ. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm glad to. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in Georgia, small town, Damascus. It's much of farmland, probably 400 people. I grew up going to church uh, on and off, you know. But then around middle school, uh, there was a church that uh, we stayed in. They had a good youth program, and they had a bunch of kids coming, and we, we stayed there because of that. My parents wanted us in church, me and my sisters. So we'd go there, and, um, yeah, we went every, I went every Wednesday night, every Sunday morning, I think every Sunday night. So I was involved. We went to the tr- youth trips, um, but I wasn't a Christian. I claimed to be a Christian. You're in the Bible Belt. Everybody thinks you're saved. Everybody claims to be a Christian, but it's just a cultural thing. And a lot of biblical principles were applied to everybody, and it's morality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then I get, I get to middle school, and believe it or not, I was shy. I was really shy. I'm not shy anymore. Um, I wouldn't talk to anybody my whole life. Mm-hmm. had a few friends. Um, and I get to high school, and all of a sudden, the shell just comes off. I start talking to people. I get in trouble at school. <laughs> You know, um, I'm talking out loud. You know, it's this, it's this mm-hmm. surreal for most of my family. And uh, yeah, but church, I, I'm still going to church. At this point, I've probably been baptized probably twice. Mm-hmm. You know, a big thing in the South is you, you raise your hand, you say the prayer, you walk the aisle. Mm-hmm. And I did that twice, got baptized twice. But there was really no change. I had no heart mm-hmm. change. And I was still s- sinning. Uh, behind closed doors. Uh, outwardly, I looked like a good kid. I was a good kid in school. Everybody loved me. Uh, the teachers loved me. But behind closed doors, I was a wicked person. And it, fast forward to a little bit later in high school, at that point, you know, I had a good personality, had a lot of friends. I was the quarterback of the football team. I was one of the better baseball players. I played a little bit of basketball, you know. Uh, so I was very involved in sports. And I thrived off attention. And to keep thriving off that attention, I would just lie. I was a huge liar um, in high school and through college. I would lie by anything just to, just to have friends. And uh, yeah, it was very sad. 
And at the same time, I was still claiming to be a Christian, still going to church. Yeah. And my friends were the same way. They all went to church, but they all acted like me too. So I thought this was normal, a normal Christianity. Yeah. But about my senior year, the weight of my sin, um, just really just, just the Lord had his hand on me. I really didn't know what to do. I started struggling. I started having doubt. I started having you know no confidence in myself in anything I did. And that carried on to college. Uh, I wound up going to college to play baseball. At this point, this the Lord just really just putting His hand on me because I struggled making friends a little bit. I was not one of the better ones in baseball. I had to work harder at that. School came became really hard for me. I had to study. I, I never studied growing up. I hated reading. Um, <laughs> you couldn't beg me to read a book. Mm-hmm. And I, I went to college about three hours away, probably from my hometown. So I'm away from my parents for the first time in my life, and I just started partying. You know, mm-hmm. I was about the uh, the party scene, and I was the life of the party. You know, I was there to to be the center of attention. That's what I thrived off of, that attention that I was seeking, that that, that love I was seeking, and that that just I craved for attention. Mm-hmm. And I got it there at the party scene. At that time, I was still going to church a little bit, but not really. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was in college. At that time, I was dating my wife. She professed to be a believer, and she was the same just like me. You know, it was all just outwardly. There was no yeah. inward change of the heart. So I would go to church just to impress her parents. So I literally, we, I remember going one time, the first Sunday we went to church, and I remember I wanted to take a picture with her. That way I can post it on social media so her parents can see it. I haven't met her parents yet, yeah. and I knew she she told me they were Christians, you know. So I was like, you know, I need to do this. Let them know I'm a Christian. But there was nothing, you know, there's nothing Christ-like about me whatsoever. And so yeah, me and my wife at that point we were dating, and then we got engaged. You know, we were about to get married at that point, and this whole time, my four years of college, every year, like I just kept getting deeper and deeper into sin. And I just felt like the Lord's hand was on me. And mm-hmm. I probably couldn't articulate that and know what was going on. Mm-hmm. I would just turn to uh, alcohol and sometimes mm-hmm. drugs, unfortunately, just to get rid of the, the, the pain that I was going through and, and really the, the conviction that I was going through. And nobody, I, was, I wasn't around Christians, so I didn't know what a Christian looked like. But yeah, fast forwarding from college at this point, I got a job teaching close to my hometown. Uh, I got a degree in education, got a job teaching and coaching. And there's a lady next door to me. Uh, she she was asking me to come to her church. She was a pastor's wife. And I really didn't want to go because I used to date a girl who went to that church. <laughs> and her family went there. You know, I just, I just really didn't want to go. Yeah. It, was, it was probably going to be uncomfortable. And I just did not want to go. So I was going to different churches. I was really a church hopper, not really to find Christ, uh, really to just to find friends, kind of new in this hometown. I knew some people in there. I had family there, but I really didn't know anybody. So I was going to different churches to find friends. And one day, I remember it was during uh, the lunch hour, and me and the teachers were sitting there, and they were asking if I found a church yet. And I said, no, I haven't found one. And the pastor's wife, Michelle, uh, she looked at me, she said, you know, I invited you to my church like a month ago, and you still haven't been there, been here, you know, and I think you need to come to my church. Yeah. And I took it like I was offended. 
I was really offended. And she didn't say it in an offensive way, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to be at your church Sunday. This was Friday. So that following Sunday, I went to church, and her husband was preaching on the gospel of Luke, Luke 15. I sat in the back corner where nobody could see me. I didn't want anybody talking to me. And Luke 15, and the Lord used that to change my life, Mm -hmm. literally change my life. I didn't take notes. I used a pew Bible that was right there in front of me. Um, I really don't remember what the man said uh, today. I remember shaking his hand uh, before I left, and I went home back to Damascus, on the road to Damascus. But I didn't have a Paul-like conversion. I didn't see Jesus. (laughs) Um, Just thinking about what the sermon said and what he said and repenting, you know, and this whole whole time, you know, I never repented. I never confessed anything, not even really to a good friend of mine. I shared a few things, but everything I've done, I kind of, I kind of just kept to myself, kept it inside. I never really shared anything with my fiance at the time. And I got home. I had one or two Bibles. I pulled one of those out. It was a camo New King James Bible. And I just went back to that passage, Luke 15, and looking over those parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin, thinking about what that man said. And I just cried out to God everything that I could ever think of that I did that I sinned against him. And I asked him to save me. And that just literally changed my life. I haven't been the same since. That mm. literally changed my life. The Lord just gave me a new heart. And I just, I feel like the weight of sin literally just lifted off of me. That's what happens when you get saved, right? Mm. You know, Christ, he gives you a new heart. And he just takes that sin, that burden that, you, that you're carrying. And once you give it to him, and you repent, he just lifts it off and he gives you Christ. Amen. And, you know, his Lord Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yeah. And that's the yoke you want to carry. Yeah. And that's what happened to me. And that's how I got saved. And that next, I remember that night, I didn't go that night. For some reason, I felt embarrassed. I didn't go that Sunday night. And I, but I was also joyful for some reason. I was happy. Yeah, my, I could just tell my, my language changed. You know, I, I, did, I didn't have a desire to do the bad things. That I was doing, at yeah. that I just—it it was all happened in a moment. Yeah, it was just amazing. Yeah. And I—I um, I texted the pastor's wife. I said, "Hey, can I meet with your husband?" She's like, "Sure." So I called him. I said, "Can we meet sometime this week?" He said, "Yeah, we'll meet tomorrow night." So it was that next night, Monday night. We went to a restaurant. Uh, I remember the restaurant like it was yesterday. Joe's restaurant, little country mm-hmm. buffet restaurant. I don't even think I ate anything. I ordered. I just did all the talking. He never said anything. Except, hey, you know, I'm yeah. Caleb, I'm Michael, you know, and I just shared everything I shared with God the day before. I just unleashed it on him. He probably thought I was crazy, you know. <laughs> but I never opened up to anybody, yeah. literally anybody. And uh, I opened up everything I ever could think of to him. And we we, we bonded. You know, he kind of took me in and mentored me. He, he bought me an ESV Bible, I think, and taught me how to use a Bible. Mm-hmm. And I was at his their house uh, probably six days a week wow. and stayed till midnight every night. Uh, and they, I just wanted to learn how to read the Bible. And I wanted to learn how to use it and apply it. And, you know, they had kids. They had kids at the time in middle school, elementary school. So they had a family. And then all of a sudden I'm here. 
asking, you know, who's Jesus? What what does baptism mean? You know, things like that, just basic mm-hmm. Christianity stuff. And I just wanted to learn. I had this desire to learn and desire to know who Jesus is, and I also had this desire to make him known. Yeah. There's nothing more more joyful than that, to know who Jesus is and to make him known. And that's how I got saved. Did you become part of their church? Did you start going to another church? So how was, how was the process for you and uh, your fiance at the time? Um, yeah. Church-wise. So at the time, for my fiance, her name's Haley, and she's my wife today. Honestly, um, kind of backing up just a little bit, that Friday before I told that lady, told Michelle that I was going to their church, mm-hmm. I put a down payment on a house to rent. Wow. And Haley was going to move down the next week for me to, for us to live together. This is six months before we got we're gonna get married. So this was fall of 2015. We get married June of 2016. And I put a down payment on a house to rent. And this happened Sunday. And I brought that up to Michael. I was like, hey, you know, I just got this house, you know, and I was like, what do I do? And he said, Well, either two things, either she can't move down or you just can't get that house. And I said, Well, I don't think I need to get that house. And he agreed. So I called the guy up who I gave the money to, and it was like, I think $500. That was my first check, probably. You know, <laughs> we Thankfully, I didn't sign anything mm-hmm. legally, but we shook hands, which is basically the same thing in the South. And um, it's a cultural thing. And I shook hands, and he was mad. Oh, he's mad. And he asked me why I didn't want to get the house. And I said, you know, I just got, you won't believe this, but I just got saved yesterday. And, you know, I was giving my life to Jesus. And I know if I get this house, I, I'm going to be doing things I shouldn't be doing. And this is what he said, no lie. It's kind of funny now. He said, do you want to go lower on the rent? (laughs) You know, it's funny now to me. But uh, (laughs) I said, you know know what? You can keep my $500. I don't even want it. And he kept my $500. But then I had to call Haley. Mm -hmm. And that was worse. It was like World War III over the phone. (laughs) And because I just just changed, you know. And she literally, the reason why she was so mad is because that previous year, I asked her to speed up her master's degree. I think her master's degree was going to take three years, and she did it in a year and a half because I asked her to so she can move down with me. Mm. And all of a sudden, she's about to move in a week, and I'm asking her not to. Why is that? Uh, Because I was saved, you know, Mm -hmm. and we shouldn't be living together. We we were in sin, and we shouldn't be doing that, you know. But she couldn't get that because she wasn't saved at the time. So that happened that that Monday night, and then uh, what happened was I, I just got plugged in that church mm-hmm. as a little small church, First Baptist Church of Donsville. There's some sweet people there. There's probably 200 people there on a Sunday. So I got plugged in, and uh, I went to the pastor Michael, who took me in. He I went to a Sunday school class. I was there Sunday morning. I was there Sunday night. I was there Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to serve. Um, I think one of the first things I started doing serving was washing dishes. So on Wednesday night, we had a meal. We shared a meal. We cooked. And one of the first things I did was washing dishes. I loved it. I used to hate washing dishes for my mama, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, if all of a sudden, yeah. you know, you're saved, like, I'm doing this for Christ, you know? And so I'm washing dishes. And so I'm at this church, and I don't know, maybe a month goes by. It wasn't long because I was young and I was a teacher. I kind of got thrown. I got asked to teach middle school boys, Sunday school class. Mm-hmm. And there's only like six of them. But I was like, yes, I would love to. Because I wanted to get this out. I was learning so much, and I was ready to get it out. Mm-hmm. So I, I took on that role, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I loved it. Just to teach the Bible. I didn't know what I was doing, but I loved it. 
so yeah, I got plugged in that church. And after I started teaching, I started getting involved in everything. I was involved in every ministry, I think, pretty much almost every ministry in some way. I, my life was revolved around the church. I wanted to be at the church. Mm-hmm. If they would have let me slept there, I would have slept there. <laughs> you know, I just love being there. I love being around God's people. I, want, I wanted to grow. You know, I wanted to be around men who loved the Lord and wanted to be like Him. And that was my desire. I got plugged in there, and Haley, my fiance at the time, Oh man, she she moved back home to Atlanta with her mom and dad, and that's probably about five hours, five hour drive from where I was. She would drive down every weekend, every Friday, after she got done working, every Friday, and she would watch me coach either on football Friday night, and then we would go on Saturday. We either go fishing or hunting or you know go to a movie or just hang out. You know, mm-hmm. then on Sunday she would go to Sunday school with me. Then stay for Sunday morning worship. And then we eat lunch, and then she would go back to Atlanta. Well, she did that every weekend till we got married in June. I think she missed probably two weekends. She was more committed than most church members of that church, and she was, she lived five hours away. And that's amazing because I was gonna ask, you know, how was her reaction? Because yeah. uh, from you know you're not having that relationship with Christ, you were not a believer. Yeah. And now all of a sudden everything changed around yeah. you. Your lifestyle changed. Yeah. Everything changed. Your actions, you know, behaviors. And it's amazing to hear just that although she was not a believer, she is still she stayed with you. And yeah. now you guys are married. Yeah. So how that happened, there's a lot of tension there. Mm. And she would say, she tells people that she was committed to me. And that's why she did that. And and I care for her. And I realized as I grew my understanding of the Bible and what salvation was, you know, I, first I started realizing that the people I was, I was around at church, not everybody is Christians, yeah. even some leaders, some deacons. You know, they're not Christians, I don't think. There was no signs of fruit whatsoever. But then I started noticing it, noticing it with Haley. It's like, oh, man. And I knew that I couldn't marry her if she wasn't going to turn to Christ. Mm. But I, I cared for her. I really did care for her, and I loved her, loved mm. her at that time, and still do, obviously. And so I was like, you know, I'm going to just wait until literally that month before we get married, and I'm just going to pray for the Lord to do a miracle in her heart. Well, she kept coming down, and then literally two months later, uh, she called me. She stopped even she stopped halfway. She didn't even make it home. So the two hours in. Yeah. And she called me. I was at, I remember where I was. I was in my. I lived in my parents' house at the time, and um, yeah, I was sitting in their living room, was watching TV. She called me. I answered, and she's just crying. And she said, "I just gave my life to Jesus," and I, <laughs> I still kind of get teared up thinking about it uh, because I cared for her, and I was the first person I prayed for, prayed for often, probably more than anybody, for the Lord to save. And he and he did, and I just remember getting on my knees, crying and thanking the Lord for saving her. I remember rejoicing. I didn't sleep. I don't think <laughs> I was so excited. Can I just ask you something yeah. for those people who are listening now? I mean, and and I just love hearing this from a men's per- perspective because in the world, you know, it's like it's okay to just live together with each other, you right. know, when you're not married, and to hear that. In your mind, you were committed to Christ. That if your 
fiance had not come to Christ between that period of time. How many months do you guys have left before getting married? So she got saved two months after I did, and there's four months until we got married. So, so had- that was like... After your conversion. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. So six months after six I got months. saved. Okay. Yeah. So within that period of time, you feel convicted that this person is not a believer. So therefore, yeah. I can't marry her. Can you just share why? Why is that? Obviously, for those who are Christians, we understand why. But why were you committed not to marry her if she didn't come to Christ? Well, the Bible is, you know, crystal clear that believers are to marry believers. Yeah. But from a worldly standpoint, and where she didn't understand... You know, and I think I remember telling her that, like, I, I, you know, I just can't marry you if you're not, you know, not a believer. And she was very upset, obviously. And that was hard. It was hard for me to tell her that because I really wanted her to be saved. Not only because I wanted to marry her, but for her own soul. I mean, heaven and hell is on the line. And I knew if, if, because I cared for, cared for her and if I would have married her, and her not being a Christian, uh, our lives have been miserable. Yeah. You know, because we have different beliefs. You know, we, uh, we think differently. Uh, a, a believer thinks from a biblical worldview. We think biblically, God-centered worldview. And a non-believer doesn't. They think worldly. The Bible is pretty clear about that. Yeah. And if I would have gotten married to her, you know, now we're now committed to her. There, there's obviously a lot of people out there who who are married to somebody who's not a believer. And it's, it's tough. I'm sure it's tough. And it's hard. So that's why we have to be equally yoked yeah. and to be married. And I hope that answers your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. And I mean, and for those who are who got saved when they were already married, that doesn't mean that now you have to go and right. you know, like get divorced and leave your partner. Right. No, now you have to be an example to your partner and pray diligently just for their soul so yeah. that they will come to Christ. And Yeah, I think at First Peter, you know, for the women, right? You know, um, women, First Peter tells us, that don't adorn yourself with this, with all this outwardly beauty, but from the inward heart with meekness and godliness and humility. And the same thing can obviously be applied to the men, right? With their their love, Love is action word. You know, Christ, you know, loved the church. He died for the church. Men are to love their wives. If, if, if there are men out there who are married to an unbeliever, they're still called and commanded by the Word of God to love their wife yeah. and to pray for them. Amen. Now you're here in, uh, in L.A., I would like to hear just how the, the whole transition happened, yeah. uh, what took you to move here with your family. So we got married in 2016. Before we got married, uh, I started growing as a, a Sunday school teacher, and then all of a sudden I had the opportunity to preach, mm-hmm. and mainly because I was young and excited. I had a lot of, they would say fire, I had a lot mm-hmm. of fire, a lot of passion, that's what I would say. Yeah. So I got invited to preach to a lot of youth Sundays, they do a lot of youth Sundays, and so they always had somebody young to come down. After that first time I got invited to preach, the kind of word got around, got around town, and I went up to all these little country churches wow. to preach. Yeah, I invited to preach like once a month. So I would I was invited to preach once a month outside of my home church. And then I got invited to preach by my home church on Wednesday nights, sometimes Sunday nights. So I was preaching a lot and that passion just grew and grew. And the whole time I was, you know, what I was doing, I used to love coaching baseball. That's all I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. 
But during this time, I really started not liking it anymore, which is weird because I love the game of baseball. I just did not like it. I did not want to do this. I just had a passion to know the Word of God. So I was talking to my pastor about it. He's like, yes, you, you need to get trained. You need to go to seminary. And so I talked to Haley about it, and Haley was all on board with me being a pastor. Um, she was all on board with that right before we got married. It, it was just where to go to seminary, mm-hmm. you know. And But we didn't know at the time. Uh, around that time, too, that's kind of how I got introduced to Pastor John MacArthur. I like to remind my mother-in-law, who's probably watching this right now, uh, at that time I was growing in my reading. I just started mm-hmm. reading. I couldn't stop reading. I mm-hmm. uh, loved reading. And... The first time I got introduced to John MacArthur, she was throwing away a stack of books, and she asked me to go throw them away. She said, oh, you can keep any book you want. Well, there's a John MacArthur book in there, 12 Ordinary Men. So the book on the disciples. Yeah. And it just caught my eye. I couldn't put it down. And so I like to remind her while we're out here is because she started that. So, yeah, that kind of got me started with Pastor John. And then uh, Michael, the pastor— who uh, mentored me, he he used his commentary. He let me borrow a commentary, and I loved that. Oh, my word. You know, mm-hmm. that's the first commentary I ever held. So my first Christmas bonus check, kind of a side note, I, <laughs> I bought the MacArthur New Testament commentary set, the whole thing for my first for my bonus check. Wow. Yeah, and I just read them like books. I just wanted to learn. So you went basically for not liking to read to loving yeah, I love to read. Yeah, I think as my grandmother came in my study one time um, before we moved out here, we owned a house, and she walked in. I just had books everywhere. I think I was preparing to preach, and there was just stacks. And she looked at me, and she said, there must be a God in heaven if you love to read. <laughs> Clearly, because I'm, I remember you mentioned at the beginning, I didn't like to read. No, now I, you're saying, I love reading. <laughs> yeah, I hated reading. I would do... Anything I could, yeah. to, I would work harder, honestly, to not do the assignment instead of just reading the book. And uh, But yeah, I just had this passion to read. And so one MacArthur book led to another, then sermons. Uh, I was blown away by his preaching. And then I realized he had a seminary. Fast forward a couple months after we got married, I got some wise counsel, kind of wait for a year before you move to seminary. And you just got married, wait for a mm-hmm. year. So that's my encouragement to people. If you're interested in seminary, do, do not you know rush into things. If you're just getting married, you know mm-hmm. so it's okay if you want to take one class. That's one thing. But if you're going doing full time classes and you just got married, it's probably not wise. I'm not saying it doesn't work, yeah. but enjoy that first year of marriage because you'll never get the first year back. Yeah, and that was wise, and we did that. But that whole time during that first year, I was trying to figure out where am I going to go. And so I was looking actually at Southern Baptist seminaries because mm-hmm. uh, tuition is half off if you're a Southern Baptist member, which that church was. It was a Southern Baptist church where mm-hmm. I got saved. So tuition's half off. And I was looking at Southern Baptist seminary where Dr. Albert, Al Moeller is the president. Mm-hmm. And I was also looking at Southeastern Seminary, which, which is in Raleigh, North Carolina. North Carolina. Oh. Okay. And so I was actually about to go to North Carolina because my wife had family up there. We, you know, we knew some people. We loved North Carolina. I still had this heart for TMS, but I honestly didn't think I could get in because I thought you had to be a genius. I mean, you watch Pastor John, and it was just like, <laughs> oh, my word. I cannot do that, you know? But the seminary posted on social media that if you apply this month, the application fee is free. Mm-hmm. 
And I said, you know what? I'm going to apply just in case because, I mean, the worst thing they could say is no. <laughs> and yeah. so I applied. And I got accepted. There I literally go. changed my life, you know, another, another moment. I was so excited. My, actually, Haley was very excited. After they, they sent us a, a box that year, an acceptance letter. It came in a big old nice box, acceptance letter, like a fountain pen, a New Testament Greek Bible, a coffee mug. I mean, it is it excited Haley more than it did me. <laughs> like I don't know, she it just she just loved it. But we should, we still weren't sure if we were gonna come because it's Los Angeles. You know, it's it's a big commitment, and life's just totally different out here than it is yeah. in Georgia. So we weren't sure. I, I was really sure. I had to wait for Haley. I had to kind of shepherd her through that. I couldn't just demand to go. But after a while, the Lord worked on her, and there's actually a administrator of the seminary called me one day. I, I missed it, and he left me a voicemail saying, hey, I heard that you're still waiting to decide because you're a wife and it's not sure what you know if you should come out here yet. And I just wanted to let you know that we're praying for you. I am personally praying for you and your wife and you know, whatever the Lord's will is, that's what will happen. Yeah. Well, I let Haley listen to that. And the Lord used that voicemail to confirm in her heart, that's where we need to go. Mm. And the only people that were not excited after that was our families <laughs> because we're moving across the country. Yeah. So we moved out here. Um, it's been three years now. So 2017. Fall of 2017. We got married June 2016. We moved out here fall 2017. I didn't start classes until January of 2018. My goal was to move out here several months earlier just to get plugged in at the church. I wanted to get involved at Grace Community Church. I knew that was the heartbeat of the seminary. It founded the seminary. I just knew I want to be involved in a local church. I'm a churchman. That's what yeah. that's how Christ, Christ will build his church, not his seminary. Yeah. So I knew that I wanted to be involved in Grace Church. So we became members. Uh, we both found jobs. Uh, we didn't have any kids at this point. We loved it. Oh, we got plugged in at Grace. I wanted to sign up for everything, you know, like I did back home. And yeah. uh, obviously I couldn't because this is, Grace is bigger. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than my hometown, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's like three times the size of a town. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we loved it. Then I started classes, and I didn't have to worry about anything. A lot of guys came in that week before uh, because of logistics, and I could tell on their, they were worried about their wives or kids, trying to find jobs. And they just started Hebrew. You know, they were stressing out. And I'm thinking, oh, thank you, Lord, because all I have to do is worry about Hebrew. I'm already plugged in. I'm already, I've already been here. Yeah. So that's how we got here. I love this place. Yeah. I actually... Um, I actually love Los Angeles. There's there's some pros and cons, some things I miss. You know, I miss grass. I miss open. miss things like that Mm -hmm. in my own yard. Uh, But I do love Los Angeles. Just the different cultures and diversity. uh, It's just amazing. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. we love it here. So what is your goal after seminary? Yeah, I want to be a pastor. Um, I I want to preach God's Word. But I want to shepherd people. I just want to shepherd people. That's my heart. I want to help people where they are at in life. Whatever situation they're going through, I want to help them with God's word and help them get through that. Yeah. I mean, the the pastor, a pastor is more like a gardener than he is a mechanic. That's what we've been taught at the seminary. Yeah. And and that's how I want to be. I want to be a shepherd. I want to help people where they are with the truth of God's word. Yeah. And then help them to endure, to help them grow in Christ likeness. 
And so now you're our father too. You have two kids. Yeah, yeah. We got the um, seminary blessing. Uh, they warned us about that, and it <laughs> happened. And uh, yeah, I have two daughters, two beautiful girls. They are my joy. I love them. So I have a two-year-old Addison and a three-month-old as of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, named Caroline Grace. Yeah. They're a joy. We love them and. Yeah. Do you mind me asking? I know that I've seen uh, some posts on social media f- uh, for your newborn. She was in the hospital for quite a while. Do you mind just sharing a little bit of what happened? Yeah. I kind of want to back up to the first yeah. one. The oh. first one went through something very similar. Okay. Addison was born in 2018, July of 2018. And they told us there was a small chance that she would have this lung disease mm. that me and, my, me and my wife, Haley, carry. It's called cystic fibrosis. Okay. There's a small chance. And so we were we were not really worried about it, uh, but we were concerned a little bit. And baby was born. Everything looked great. And we go home after a couple of days. I remember actually going back my first day, my first day back to work at Grace. It was a Sunday. And I got in the car and Haley called me. Something's wrong with the baby. We need to take her to the emergency room. So I sped home, and I got home, and Addison, she's we've only been home two or three days at this point, so she's a week old, maybe, and she was swollen. Mm. And so we went straight to, I think, urgent care, maybe, then the emergency room. The next thing you know, we're in the hospital. All of a sudden, she's going to immediate surgery soon. I, I, I don't know if was, I can't remember if it was that day or the day after. She's going into surgery, so... She wound up having, she was in the hospital in and out, probably a total of seven months that first year of life. Wow. And she had three surgeries, maybe nine or 10 minor operations where I had to hold her. That was that was hard. It, she, she goes through a lot. So she has a lot of medication for her lungs. So she takes about 800 capsules of pills, capsules, pills, by mouth every month. And this is... And you born. Yeah. So this started like her second week of life. Yeah, that was rough. This is all new to us. You know, I've never been through any kind of medical situation for the most part this bad. I never really suffered, honestly. Mm. You know, I went through this kind of trial. This is the first time the Lord really kind of got a hold of me about suffering and trials. So that went on for in and out eight months, and it was hard. But the Lord got us through. Addison's doing good. If you look at her, you wouldn't. See, see if anything's wrong, but uh, but you know her lungs. Their lungs get progressively worse the older they get. Mm. So she does a lot of breathing treatments, a lot of medicine. But so the Lord got us through that. And then now we have a three month old, got pregnant with Caroline Grace. They told us there was a chance that she would have the, the same disease. So she was born three months ago, and she didn't come home at all for three months. Uh, she just got home last week, but she was in there every day. And same thing. She had she had four surgeries, I think ten or eleven minor procedures, mm. and she, you know it, it was rough. Yeah. Um, this was probably harder for several reasons. Uh, one, because of COVID, all the restrictions going to the hospital, we yeah. we couldn't go together and we couldn't stay up there, yeah. so that that was harder. And then we also had a two year old at home. So that made it that made it rough, but yeah, the same thing, same medicine, same breeding treatments, and the Lord has taught us a lot through suffering and trials. And Caroline just came home last week, 
So, and she's a joy. She's a blessing. She's doing well. You know, we're glad she's home. And how do you feel the Lord has used both of the trials in your marriage or even for you personally? Personally, um, it's changed me. You know, I've kind of gotten a little more serious about life. And I've always been, since I've been a Christian, serious about my faith. But uh, trials just refine you. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really re- refine you. They they, they really drive you to your knees. Uh, I've learned so much. Uh, I've learned, honestly, the sovereignty of God. And I knew this, you know, from classes and the Bible, but it really becomes reality. Mm-hmm. And so I learned the sovereignty of God. I, I learned my prayer life enhanced. Mm-hmm. It, it, I, I, really, I got convicted about my prayer life. And then I realized that I need to start praying more. And not just mundane prayers. I need to actually pray and pray according to the Bible. Um, I learned about grace. I learned how to shepherd because of the grace pastors and, and even Pastor John, how they shepherd me and my wife through this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I learned so much personally, and it's really changed me. I learned how to serve even more because now I have my wife. Because in the middle of all this, when Caroline was in the hospital, she had blood pressure issues, mm. and I was, I was at work at Grace. Started I was going to work an overnight shift just to help us out so I can go to the hospital during the day. So I just got there at Grace. It's like 11 o'clock at night, and she called me. My blood pressure's through the roof. Mm. I need to go to the emergency room. Race home, and they wouldn't let me in the emergency room with her. Mm. Yeah. And she, like, collapsed right there when I walked in. So you practically had to leave the uh, yeah. there? Yeah. So I sat on Sunset Boulevard from midnight to 6 a.m. I don't know if you've ever been on Sunset Boulevard. It's not the it's not the nicest place, yeah. You, yeah. you know, around. That's where I was, and the Lord, you know, I, you know, I was crying out to the Lord. Like, what do you want from me, you know? Mm-hmm. And that honestly helped me serve my wife even more. I mean, she just birthed a child. She's going through blood pressure issues. We eventually went home later that morning just to serve her. You had to be a servant to everybody. Philippians 2, right? And the greatest example of all is Christ. If we are Christians and Christians are followers of Jesus Christ, Philippians 2 tells us that he humbled himself, become man. Then he also obeyed the Father to die for sinful man. So if we're to be... Followers of Jesus, or in other words, if Jesus is the pattern, then we are to be like him and walk in humility and obey God the Father. And part of those commands in obeying, and honestly, humility is serving others. So I learned how to serve people through trials. So when it comes to my marriage, it has strengthened my marriage um, tremendously. It, It wasn't easy, though. Uh, there were some moments where we're just pure exhausted. And we would get, you know, upset over something. And sometimes we would lash it out on each other. And I realized that we needed some time alone. Mm-hmm. So I had to make an opportunity to take my wife out once a week somewhere. It was just us. Get her away from her everyday life at home and just get her out and about it was kind of hard with COVID recently, but we made it work, you know, but it strengthened our marriage because it it drove us to our knees together. Mm-hmm. You know, we cried together. 
we rejoiced together. You know, everything we, we did was together. Yeah. And I was right there with her. And that was probably the hardest part about COVID. We couldn't go see our daughter together. That was probably the hardest part for me. But it strengthened our marriage for good. And that's what trials trials do. And honestly, God didn't take the trials away. He helped us endure the trials. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I think that's another way that people can be praying for you and yeah. your family. You, your wife is at home now and your baby is finally home as well. Yeah, so we're home now. Everybody's home. My wife's doing really well. Her blood pressure is under control. Very mm-hmm. thankful for that. Uh, so we got both kids at home mm-hmm. and trying to adjust to having two at home. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we're very thankful to be home and a lot of medical attention. Uh, but the, the Lord's been kind. Uh, the Grace Church and the seminary, but really Grace Church has been, yeah. this has been amazing. They've been the church. Yeah. They have loved on their brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and it's taught us like how important the church is mm-hmm. you know, for Christians. Yeah, we're very thankful and glad to be home. Well, thank you for sharing. And since you love reading, yeah. what are some of the books that have been a great help for you? One of the books I've read recently, I think every Christian needs to read, is Gentle and Lowly mm. by, I think it's Gavin Ortland. It's Gavin Ortland or Dane Ortland. There's two brothers. Mm-hmm. It's Ortland is the last name. Gentle and Lowly. Uh, the heart of Christ for sinners and sufferers. And it really focuses mm-hmm. in on the heart of Christ. I think we need that during this season. There's so much going on in the world, obviously. Yeah. you got COVID, you got riots. You know, it's a political season. Christians get antsy during political season, I've noticed. I think we need to step back and really get at the heart of Christ and have a balance of everything. You know, books really shows a good balance. In summary, we hear all these testimonies on a weekly basis. I would like you to share briefly uh, why is it that we need Christ? Even if you don't realize it, you're lost. You're lost and you're going to suffer the wrath of God for eternity. Mm -hmm. And Christ is the answer to everything. He is really the pinnacle of everything that connects. And Christ is the one who saves you. He's the one who is with you. He's the one that carries you all the way through to the end of life. And he's just amazing. It's just the joy that comes from knowing Christ. I'm preaching through the book of Philippians right now in our Bible study. And the book of Philippians really just, it's a book about Christ. Christ is mentioned in some way like 52 times in 100 verses. Mm-hmm. And it shows us how to live, that book, how to live day by day the Christian life in Christ. So Paul's writing to these people to encourage them to be mature believers in Christ. And out of that comes joy like no other and a peace like no other. It's all Christ. Christ is always there for you. If you're ever alone, Christ is there. Think about John 17, the the high priestly prayer. You know, he, he prays, I, I'm praying for the, the ones you've given me, not for the world. So think about that. At this very moment, every second of your life, Christ is praying for you. He's interceding for you. He's always there. Mm-hmm. He, he is glorious. He's majestic. He is king. He, he's Lord. Mm-hmm. And there's no one like him. Mm-hmm. There is no one like Christ. 
He is the one who can solve everything because everything comes from Him. Amen. Thank you so much again just for uh, sharing your testimony and just opening up about your life, your family. If you're listening today and you heard his testimony, uh, please be praying for him and his family. Thank you again for watching these videos. And if you could just close us in prayer. Yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Father Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this day. Uh, I pray for all the listeners who can hear my voice right now. Uh, I pray that you would just encourage them through your word, Lord. And you just encourage them to live for Christ, to endure for Christ, Lord, knowing that you are always with us. Lord, for the ones who are not sure if they're saved or not, I pray that you'll convict them of their sin and that you will just reveal your son to them because he is the answer to everything. I thank you for this podcast, Lord, and I just pray that whoever it reaches, Lord, that you will be glorified. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. I think I knew every single book of the Bible in order by age five or age six. Uh, there was like a, an altar call kind of thing. And most of the people who went up were much older. Um, and I kind of like slinked out of my seat. My mom thought I was going to bail, um, but I actually went up and like jumped into the altar thing and was like, I don't know if I was like laying hands on people to pray or if I kind of just like got in there, but I just like really liked it.